Welcome to Deerhead Studios. This is 40 Below Zero, an international podcast about living with multiple sclerosis. I'm your co-host, Nick, and with me as always is my good friend, Terry. We're so glad all of our fellow MS warriors and supporters are here with us, so let's get into it. Hello and welcome to the show. Terry, how are you, my friend? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Coming to you from the suburbs of Philadelphia. I'm ready to start this podcast. Awesome. So am I, and I'm from Ontario, Canada. Well, since we are at episode one of our new venture together, mm-hmm. I think that it's only fitting that we start at the beginning. Why don't we tell everyone how we came to find each other, how our MS journeys started? Why don't we start all there? So yeah. I'll ask you. Mm-hmm. What, when were you diagnosed? I was diagnosed around 2008. Um, yeah, I, I think it was in the end of the summer. I don't have my exact dates. I know a lot of people do, but it wasn't that important to me because I uh, just ignored it. Really? You mean you ignored the di- diagnosis right away? Yeah, it was like a doctor telling me you have a cold. I'm going to get over it. Huh. So I didn't know that... much about it, so I didn't really think too much about it okay so you didn't know much about the disease and the diagnosis did you Mm -hmm. were you in denial did you think that it would just blow over well that's the technical term right that I was in denial Mm because I ignored it I still ate whatever I wanted I thought I would just push through it like I always did with any you know cold or virus that I got and uh, until it forced me to take it serious you know what I mean and well, how did it force you to, so, all right. So you get diagnosed Were you, did you go into the hospital? So when I, uh, I first, my first attack was my worst attack. I was unhealthy. I didn't care about what I was eating and all that stuff. I never exercised. So my first attack forced me to go to a hospital to get checked up. And, uh, my attack progressed within the couple of days where I was basically bed bound. And it was, uh, you know, even then I wasn't in depression. Even then I thought I was going to get over this. This is just an isolated incident. And uh, so then I had to do an MRI and then, you know, I did it within a couple of days, the MRI, because people thought I had a stroke or a tumor. And then after the MRI, that's when the neurologist said, oh, well, you have MS. And I didn't know what MS is because I never knew anyone with MS. I was never educated about these uh different illnesses i thought if you're in a wheelchair it's you know you have something wrong with your legs you know something fell on you and you hurt your spine (laughs) wow and so what was your first symptom my first symptom was numbness extreme numbness on the left side of the body and we're talking about from my waist and then it spread to my arm my leg and then uh, a couple days i couldn't even stand up anymore and i was that fast yeah it was crazy my first attack yeah it was the worst one but almost i i I, sorry i always say that it's almost because i didn't know what i was going through and i didn't know what the feeling was that it you know it put me down and i wouldn't get up because i was not comfortable with the feeling of my legs being numb and i couldn't walk properly but it's funny because Three, four years later, I had a similar attack when I was in that same situation. 
And I was normalized to that feeling. Oh, so you weren't as scared of it. Maybe I wasn't as scared of it either. Yeah. Wow. And how old were you when all this went down? Uh, 27, 28. Wow. That's young. Yeah. I was 33 when I was diagnosed back in 2013. So I'm coming up. I'm coming up on my uh, 10 year diagnosis anniversary. Nice. Um, <laughs> well, not nice, but yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's when you, when you say that, it's like, I didn't, when you, when I first got diagnosed, I didn't think 10 years in the future. I was only thinking a day in the future or like an hour in the future. I didn't, the concept of a decade was kind of gone. Um, so I was 33 when I was diagnosed. Mm -hmm. My first symptom was uh, I went, uh, I went partially blind in my right eye and the I optic had, neuritis. Eh? Yes. Yep. Optic neuritis is a big one. Um, yeah. I recovered. Uh, the, the vision in my right eye recovered after about five or six months, but then I had another flare up and mm -hmm. then it switched to my left eye. <laughs> and now <laughs> I have about 50% vision in my left eye because I never recovered from that one. So when you told whoever was with you or whoever's next to you, oh, my eye is going through this issue. And then all of a sudden it switches to the other eye. Is everyone yeah. taking you serious? Because it is an invisible illness, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, people did at that point, but it was hard. It was hard to believe it myself because I'm like, because I thought, okay, well, I had an attack. Uh, I was in, I thought my denial came from, I was under the belief that I was just going to take this pill or take this medicine and it was going to solve it. Like I was going to take Tylenol for a headache and that would remove the headache. So I was just going to take this pill and it was going to take away the MS or at least make it manageable. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, so I think I was in denial in the effectiveness of the medicine. And <laughs> when it didn't, I got kind of concerned and worried and stuff like that. And, um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, I was, I was very much worried about the next hour, but no, they didn't, um, they didn't think I was, think I was lying. They just thought it was very weird that, they didn't, nobody knew, including myself at the time, why it was switching like that. So it was like a lot of testing that I had to go through to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I, uh, so I've, I've had optical optic neuritis and uh, not as bad, but I've had it where I had to go to optometrist because I didn't know I had optic neuritis. This is after I got diagnosed. Mm -hmm. And again, like I said, I wasn't educated on it. So I still didn't look into you know, the fact that it affects the nervous system, the central nervous system, which is, you know, affecting every other part of the body, basically, even yeah, though no, optic neuritis, central nervous system is the first to go. And no one ever explained that to you? No, no. Are you serious? Wow. No, no. Yeah. yeah, it's a, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, but the only thing is when I got diagnosed, uh, I was with someone at the time. And as soon as the doctor told me I had MS, oh my God, she went nuts. She started crying and and then I looked at her and I'm like, what's going on? You know, you're freaking me out. And then she said, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. It's okay. So, you know, I'm like, am I dying? And no, 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 you're going to be okay. So I'm like, okay, this is weird that, you know, she's heard of it. I've never heard of it. I felt ignorance because I'm like, I've never heard of MS. 
And then uh, the doctor's like multiple sclerosis. I'm like, wow, that's a, that's mm -hmm. a complex word for me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And sometimes when I have different symptoms, I would just not say anything anymore because I felt like I was a drama case. Like, oh, now my left leg. Oh, now my right leg. Oh, my arm is twitching. Oh, you know, I just felt like I was drama. So I kind of kept it to myself for the first six, seven years. Wow. Yeah. I, see, I was, I was a bit of the opposite. I was like, hey, everybody, my arm hurts. This isn't right. Hey, <laughs> everybody, my leg hurts. This isn't right. I can't walk yeah. correct. What's going on? <laughs> and you got uh, it at 33. You must have been in the middle of a of a job career something, oh yeah you know? i was i was um prime of prime of my career i was being uh i was management i had a career path that i was all my way up um and then just all that all that evaporated when um when i got diagnosed and not initially though i i was like again i thought i was like okay i'll take six months i'll take this medication i'll do the pt I'll do whatever exercises they need me to do and I'll be fine. I'll go back to work because I had a coworker friend of mine who had been diagnosed like two or three years uh, prior yeah. and, and he had, he had uh, returned to work. So I was like, Oh, okay, this mm -hmm. is going to not be fun, but I'll, I'll be able to come back to work. Um, but then during my second, my second inpatient stay at the hospital, I was laying in the hospital bed and I was thinking to myself, I was like, no, nah, this is worse than the first one. So if I don't recover from this, there's, yeah. there's no way that I'm going to be able to go back to work. And that, that ended up being the case. Um, I didn't recover and I still haven't recovered from that flare up and I haven't returned to work. I've been, I've been retired disability since 2014. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, that's must be a big hit on your uh, ego, you know? Oh, of course. Uh, you know, course. I, we have stories about that we can get into next time, but absolutely. When I first got diagnosed, they put me on prednisone. Mm -hmm. And of course they said steroids. And I said, Oh, okay. And they're like, don't worry. It's not the steroids. That's going to buff you up. And uh, which is funny because I was thinking like, since I'm on it, should I work out? And would it help me if I worked ah, out? And, ah, ah. Right. Like since I'm taking yeah. the bad stuff, let me work out with it. But anyway, so I was taking prednisone and it brought me up. It gave me power. It was a Superman drug. So it brought me up and I had no idea of, you know, what prednisone can do to your bones and what it can do, you know, to your mental being too, because it made me agitated. And, and I didn't even realize it was because of the prednisone. Anyway, took prednisone, got back up. And I'm like, oh my God, this stuff is the greatest. This stuff cured me. So the next time I got a relapse, I was just like, yeah, give me some prednisone. You know, that was my thing. I was like, give me some prednisone. Let me get out of this and I'll be back to normal again. Now, so I was, when, you, when you said you got back up, you said like you regained the ability to walk. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I, I wasn't being able to not walk okay. when I got my first attack. It was just okay. no balance, no uh, balance. Okay. No. So when I stood up, I felt almost like, it was like a baby, a toddler walking. So, you know, when they're like, they kind of put their hands out and they start walking like that. So I had the strength to stand up, but I couldn't walk properly. So I was using everything. I was being careful. I wasn't myself. I couldn't do stairs anymore, you know, because I couldn't lift mm -hmm. my leg a certain way, the balance. So to me, prednisone cured it. 
And then, of course, I started looking into it and I started realizing what the prednisone was doing. And uh, yeah, I was on different medications and uh, I thought the medications would help. They, you know, and uh, right now you, I'm 13 years. Are you on medication now? No, I am not. So no, I DM, have no DMTs at all? No DMTs. Okay. No DMTs. Disease modifying therapy, none. Yep. Yeah. So... Uh, I'm talking to a neurologist now. I mean, we'll talk about that later about what mm -hmm. medication he might put me on because I'm open to it. I'm not telling you I'm against medication. Right. I just want to make sure it's effective, whatever I go on. You know, I don't want to just take something and not research it. You know, there was a drug called Tisabri. Yeah, I know, you know, I think you were on it. You once told me that. Mm -hmm. Yep. That scared me because when he talked to me about it, it was when I got diagnosed, which was 2008, 2009. And it was in the beginning. And he told me about this drug and he said, it's not out that long. It's been out only for two years. And they didn't have that JV, man, help me out here. JVC. <laughs> it's, the, it's the JC, the JC, JC virus test. Yeah. JC, Jesus Christ. Okay. JC virus test. They didn't have that yet. So he said, don't worry, as soon as we find out that you're close to getting this whole PML virus or PML, which is a brain infection, we'll take you off of it. And I was, you know, I was like, ah, that's me. That's I'm the one that's going to get it. So I did not go on to Sabri. No, I know. And there's a lot of, mm -hmm. a lot of scary uh, medicines out there. There's, well, they're not scary medicines, but they're scary side effects to the medication that's out there. And we'll, we'll get into a whole show on that. For sure. Um, so currently in a wheelchair, currently in a wheelchair, full time, um, all the time, full time, all the time. Yes. I can stand up. My standing up is like 20 seconds and then I have to sit down or my knees will buckle and I'll fall down. Um, in my Instagram video, I do a video about, let's see how long I can stand up for. And then you, you watch me, you know, have problems keeping up. And then it looks like I'm surfing at one point because my arms out and I'm like trying to keep my balance, but yeah, currently in a wheelchair. And, uh, you know, that's a story, a story and a half, because I almost feel guilty that I've caused me to be in a wheelchair from giving up. What do you mean by that? What do you mean you've caused it? I don't think because, we had anything to do with the, the, the path that this <laughs> thing's taken. Yeah, no, I know. I know. I, I understand what you're saying. It's just, you always hear people say, if you don't use it, you lose it. Right. And yeah, but you know funny. what? I don't. I don't think that applies to us. I think yeah. whether you use it or not, it's going to go when it goes. So I don't so, think you're being very kind to yourself. What about if you kept hearing people say, "I never want to end up in a wheelchair," then that's why I keep walking. I keep pushing through it because I never want to give up. So when you hear that from other people, you're like, "Did I give up?" Because I could walk before I started sitting in the wheelchair. But it was a, it was torment. Yeah, it was torment. Well, like I like when we have talked about in the past, you don't get you don't get bonus points for struggling. The point is not to struggle. Uh, the point is to, you know, live your best life with what you have to deal with. And you know, I'm I use a wheelchair. Actually, I use several levels of mobility aids. I have uh, canes. That I use, I have canes that I use uh, every day. I have double crutches that I use when I'm going off uh, 
like out in a field or, or something going to a park or something like that. I'll use double crutches for more stability. And I have a wheelchair that I use for when I'm going on longer uh, trips, uh, when I know there's going to be more walking involved. Yeah. And, uh, and just when my legs are tired, because, you know, they're all tools to, they're all tools to, to get, help you get through the day. And I don't know, I never looked at it as giving up. Um, I think you can still fight in a wheelchair you know that yeah uh, yeah i hope so I, yeah i've i've never once looked at anyone and said well that guy gave up you know he just sat down and said forget it i don't feel like using my legs anymore <laughs> so uh, yeah yeah it's just you know it just sticks in your mind what sure. people say over and over again but yeah no i never gave up really i never did but i'm thinking people look at me and say oh he must have given up you know why i say that because people the first thing they ask me is so can can you walk? Yeah, I'm and it's sure. like, oh, man, you know, and that's why I ask you, since you use it part time, you right. get up to walk. I mean, say you're transferring to the car or whatever. Yeah, I certainly get. Uh, I certainly see people giving me these odd looks when I'm going from the passenger seat of my van to the back, and then I sit down or I or I wheel myself up to the van and then I get in, but. Uh, you know, after, after so long, you just, at least I, I don't tend to put much weight onto them, uh, onto those things. Cause it does, I found that it doesn't do me any good to, to beat myself up based on what somebody else might think of me. Yeah. You know, I'd rather talk to people like you and all these other great, uh, MS warriors and supporters that I've run into over the last almost decade now who, you know, they're positive in the things that they say and, and they understand what, what it is to, to look normal. See, that's the one I get all the time. I get, mm-hmm. but you look so good, but you're you too look, young to get it. Yeah. You know, yeah, you must be doing really well. Well, not really. Yeah. It's like the one day you use a cane and then the next day you don't use a cane. We've all been through this. Oh, you're doing better today. Yep. I've, I've oh. been, uh, I've actually been called a, uh, a liar and a faker <laughs> because someone will meet me without any mobility devices. And then the yeah. next time they see me, I'm in a wheelchair. And then the next time they see me, I'm standing up walking around again. So they, 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 they think, you, oh, you must be faking it. Yeah. I once brought a cane into a store and, uh, you know, sometimes it's such a burden to use a cane because you can't use both hands. You got to hold this cane. Now you're putting it on your arm. You fold it up. You put it to the side. Anyway, so I brought the cane into the store, put it leaning against the table while doing a transaction. As soon as the transaction is done, I just walk right out. And the guy goes, hey, excuse me, uh, you forgot your cane. And the way he said it was like, hmm, interesting. Yeah. You forgot your cane. I've and I'm like, that. oh. I have to go back and get mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> man the walk is shame and it's like yep. dude i'm i have ms man it's for real i don't say that because i'm just like okay thanks and i just take it and walk out but <laughs> you know the invisible illness man and and with that it's you know it's hard to prove that's it it's hard to prove so being in a chair i'm kind of lucky because you and i we're you're standing somewhere or you're using your cane People look at me like I have the real problem and you like, oh, he'll be okay. 
Yeah. Uh, I, you know what? Uh, you're exactly right. I get that a lot. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, he'll get better. The other one I get all the time is, ah, what'd you do to your leg? <laughs> <laughs> I get that all the time. What'd you do to your leg? What happened? Yeah. They, they assume it's a sports injury. Man, I want someone to ask me, why are you in a chair? People don't ask me that, but I want to, because I always want to start with like, oh, the skydiving story. All right. Or, yeah. You know, something uh, cool. Whatever, you know, come up with some story like, but no one asks me, you know, sometimes I'm the one that just shouts it out for no reason because I see people staring mm. and I'll just look at them and I'll be like, I have MS in case you are wondering. And then they will be like, oh, never, never asked, never thought I wasn't thinking I'm like, yeah, you were. I saw your eyes, but maybe that's just me being sensitive and, you know, like, why are they staring at me? Yeah, we do get, at least I do. I get like, uh, fatigue having to explain it all the time. So that's why I'm hoping that this podcast that we're doing, people can share it and some other people who have no idea what it's all about really get a sense of what it's like living day in and day out with something that most people will never experience. And, you know, we'll run into people who have it, but you can't see it and what it's like. And I just, I really hope that you and I can normalize the conversation. That's exactly what I want to do. I like the, especially for, Mm-hmm. guys dude the whole normalizing is exactly what i would like to do as well my whole intention for you know helping out the ms society and all that stuff is for awareness i just wanted to spread mm-hmm. awareness and it's funny because about 12 years ago i did a little speech for the ms society at one of the universities here university of toronto and um, my whole speech was telling everybody don't judge someone when they squint and they can't see properly. You think it's glasses, but it could be MS. You think, you know, and so I just came up with all these awareness speeches to say, hey, guys, don't judge before, you know, thinking it might be something that they're dealing with anyway. Because the awareness thing is what I wanted to focus on because I was in a spot where I had to explain myself, explain myself, and I was getting tired of it too, man. Sure. Well, I can definitely tell you that when I was looking for, when I was searching Instagram for uh, influencers who would, who are using mobility aids, specifically wheelchairs, uh, you came up and I was like, okay, here's a guy who's living a life in a wheelchair with MS. And I got to meet this guy because he's doing something that I only hope to do, which is just live a normal life with the, with my wheelchair. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I went through a long journey before I got to this, you know, um, when finally when I was content to be in a chair, is that the right word, man? Sometimes. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like I went through a journey, like I was in denial. Uh, That's why I I moved cities. I used to live in Toronto and I moved away. I moved a couple hours away from Toronto because I wanted to start fresh. Really? So you really made a complete break with your life and started over. Totally. I didn't want to face anybody. I just, uh, I wasn't comfortable. I was never comfortable. I always worried, like you said earlier, like you don't worry about what other people think. Dude, I'm 42 
And this is the last two years I've been practicing it finally. And I always tell people when you give yourself self-love, what is it? Self-compassion, self, um, I yeah, forget right. exactly. Self-care. But when you do that, yes, yeah, self-care. Thank you. When you give yourself self-care and you say no to someone, it's like I'm on a roller coaster. <laughs> I'm like, no. And I don't say sorry. I just say, no, I'm busy, whatever. Right. And then they say, okay. But in my head, it's like, oh my God. We're going down, we're going up, you know, like it's really, it's a weird feeling because, you know, but I know I'm giving myself self-love and sure. it feels really good after. And yeah. and then when it feels good is when the other person talks to you again and everything is normal. Like, oh, I didn't upset you. Man, first half of my life was really tough. I was never taught, you know, the proper fundamentals of, you know, self-care, not caring about what other people think. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that we have this going on for awareness, because just like you said, I want to normalize this. You know, I want to normalize that. I'm sorry to say, but people have bladder accidents and they don't even have MS and they have bladder accidents, you know? Yeah, there's a whole host of things that we can mm-hmm. get into now, now that we've finally worked out all the logistics of uh, this podcast and this show, because you know, a lot of people don't understand that it's not easy to do. We're not sitting in the same studio. You know, we're thousands of miles apart and we both have the same message and the same goal. So we figured we'd bring it all together. So. And I love the name 40 below zero. I, you know, it's a really good name. I hope people understand what it means. Um, remember, uh, I don't know if anyone's aware of this, but it is 40 below zero. Fahrenheit and Celsius, which I never knew about. So that's really interesting. So we have the same illness wherever we are, right? He's in half across the world. I'm in this part of the world. I even know people in Scotland. We go through the exact same thing. So it feels good to know that there's other people that, you know, feel what you feel. Yeah. So So let everybody know where they can find us. Definitely. So we have... A website, 40belowzero.com. On the website, you can see where uh, our email address is, which is info at 40belowzero.com. We also have an Instagram page and a Twitter page. So feel free to go on there and say hi to us, please. All right. Very cool. I think that's a fantastic first step we're taking, and I can't wait till the next episode drops. Terry? Awesome. Yeah, definitely. What are we going to be talking about next time? I don't know. I guess you'll have to find us on the socials. (laughs) Awesome. Sounds good, man. All right, buddy. I'll talk soon. All right. We'll talk soon. Take care.